Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. We are in this series called uh, My Church, and I love this series, and I think it's a a great series for me to kind of end on. When I say end on, I'm leaving on a sabbatical for 60 days. Uh, That means, well, thanks. All right. I guess that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get it. Uh, <laughs> thought it was going to have me, but apparently I have it. So it's, uh, it's all good. But uh, no, So I'll be gone for 60 days, but I want to encourage you. We have an incredible team that is going to continue to minister here. Uh, the very life-giving messages. We're starting the next series. is going to be called Family Values. And uh, we're really going to take a hard look at relationships. And I'm excited for our team. And for a few special guests that are going to be here as well in my absence, but uh, I will miss you all, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But I love this because really what this is, is this is a foundation for our church. We're, we're, we're talking about what, what it is that we dreamed about uh, when we planted this church. Because when you plant a church, you kind of get a blank page, right? You get to decide, this is the way we want it to be. This is what, what we want our people to look like, the culture to look like. And then, then we have the, once we have the job of, of determining what that looks like, th- then we've got a job of actually living it out. And that's the challenging part. But, but in my absence, I want this, this really just kind of reinforces who we are. And, and, uh, and I'm praying that you will continue to carry out the vision of who we are as a church in my, in my absence. When we come back, we'll just pick right up where we left off. So... We're using this key verse for this series called, from Matthew 16. It says, I will build my church. This is Jesus talking. And, uh, and he's talking to his disciples about this. And he said, I will build my church. And he's got a vision for that church. And the vision for that church is that the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How many of y'all want to be a part of a church like that? I want to be a part of a church like that. And he's not talking about church like as in simple church. He's talking about the body of believers, anybody that would follow Christ. He's like, this is what I have for them. I want them to live a life where the gates of hell will not prevail against you. And that's not just speaking about your eternal destination and where you're going to, when you die and leave this earth, where you're going to spend it forever. It includes that. But Jesus understood because he walked this earth as a man that we walk through hell on earth. And so this is, more, this is not just about your eternity. This is about your life here. And some of you are walking through hell and you don't have to be. In fact, there's a plan for how we can live our lives so that hell does not prevail against us. It doesn't mean we're not going to walk through it. It just means the flames ain't going to touch us. Come on, somebody. It's good stuff. So uh, in this verse, I really love Jesus. He's taking a personal approach to it. Because he's, he has a vision for how he wants his church, we know that when there's a vision, there has to be a plan attached to it. So we, we've been diving into God's word the last few weeks, finding out what is that plan for how Jesus wanted to build his church. What, is, what exactly does that look like? Week one, we talked about having passion for God, meaning we'd have passion for prayer, passion for praise and worship, a passion for purity in our own lives, and a passion for people. Second week, we talked about what that passion would do is it would drive us. That passion is proven in pursuit. You know that. Passion is proven in pursuit. And, uh, and so there's, we, we looked in the scripture, and we found there are three things God has for each and every single one of us. And, uh, and we talked, uh, talked about those things. That if you didn't hear that message, please go back and listen to it. And then last week, we talked about the importance of how we're going to approach our relationship with God. Because I think a lot of Christians get this part wrong. And we talked about the two trees that are in the Garden of Eden, the, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And these are some of the first stories in your Bible, but they're also the stories of each one of our lives. 
Because the way we approach God, Adam and Eve, it wasn't a bad thing. The, the enemy was like, don't you want to be like God? Then eat the fruit that you're not supposed to eat. You'll be just like him. That's not a bad thing. We all want to be God-like. But it was about the approach is are we going to do this on our own merits or are we going to experience a relationship with God through the finished work of Jesus Christ? Through a relationship with his son. It's the difference between religion and relationship. And that's a very pivotal and very important message for our church. So if you didn't hear those three, you can listen to the podcast. You can watch them on playback on YouTube. If you've got the app, they're all there for you. But make sure you listen to them. Now, our final installment today, I want to talk about an area of our church life that I think we do okay in, but I think that, that we've got some, some, some ways to grow, if I'm just being honest. I, th- I, think, I think we've got some improvement, improving that we can do. And it's an area that's kind of hard for us, and for very good reasons. And, and some, some of the reasons, you're like, man, yeah, I can relate to that. But I'm going to tell you that, that focusing on this area and committing to growing in this area as a church will be worth it. And part of the work I have to do is undoing one of the core beliefs that Christians have, and that, that Sunday is supposed to be the end of your spiritual experience. That, that life transformation, that everything you need breaking free from addiction, having your marriage restored, having your relationship with your kids uh, be better, all the things that, that we turning to God for, we believe all that's going to happen within the context of Sunday morning. We love worship. We love the preaching. <laughs> you guys hesitated way too long, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. We love the amen, and we love, we love you know, somebody praying for us and all these things. But let me tell you something. Sunday's not it. Sunday's not all there is. In fact, there's a whole week ahead of you after Sunday where we're supposed to be living out a spiritual life. It's just not, it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with this service. This service may serve as a catalyst to inspire your life and to inspire the way that you're supposed to walk it out. But then you've got to walk it out. You've got to choose that. Sundays isn't, isn't everything we want it to be. Because worship isn't just singing a song. You know that. We like worship. But worship is more about rearranging our entire lives and pointing it towards the thing that is worthy of that. It's expressing our love and our adoration. Some of you understand this, especially if you're married, how everything in your life began to change and point towards that person. It's the same in, in your faith, in your walk with Jesus. Worship is expressing worth or adding worth to something. So it's not just about sitting here singing a song on Sunday. It's about rearranging our lives to be obedient to the word of God, pointing everything at Jesus. The preaching, it ain't that good. I, haven't, I don't have a thing to say that can transform your life. I can inspire you. I can lead you. I can invite you. But you've got to take the steps. My preaching is just not that good. And, all, and everything that comes with a service is just not exactly what we all need for the life change that God has for us. What we need is authentic, honest, life-changing, small group relationships. That's what we need. I know that some of you are going to push back and go, well, Pastor Aaron, that's kind of hard. You know how hard that is for me? I've got social anxieties. Yeah, I get them. I do too, believe it or not. So you do? Yes. Ask my team. We go into places. I will sit in my car and wait sometimes. Hey, uh, are you here yet? I don't want to go in without you. True story, right? 
I, I, I do. I, I get social anxiety. My, the first group that I went to, I was like, ooh, I don't know what they're going to do. Are they all going to, like, sit around and grill me and ask me questions? And am I ready to answer any questions? Am I ready to, to open up, you know, my heart to everybody? That feels like this is going to require some vulnerability. Vulnerability is scary. I don't know about getting into a group, Aaron. I don't, know about, I don't know about getting into a relationship with people because, I don't know, I'm just kind of scared. And so we just, instead of stepping in and seeing if the water's good, we just hang out. And we've convinced ourselves that we're going to get the life change and we're going to have everything that we want just simply by osmosis. We're just going to absorb it. We're just going to hang here and just absorb it. It's just not going to work. It's not going to work. You need more than Sunday, and I'll make the case for that. Because honestly, I believe that being in relationship with other believers is so important In fact, I would tell you that if you are a Christ follower today, that being in relationship with people is not an option. It's not like you're at a restaurant and you just ordered fries and you're like, would you like bacon and cheese with that? Duh, first of all. And second of all, this is not an add-on. The groups that we do, this is not an add-on. This is important. This should be part of your regular rhythm of your Christian walk, that you gather together in small groups with people to encourage one another, to pray for one another, and to grow together. It's important. And if you're on a passionate pursuit of your relationship with God, this is something he has for you. There's a whole bunch of one another's in the Bible that you cannot do on your own because you got to have another, right? So your Christian walk includes this, and it's important for you. God has this for you, and I'm personally testifying to you today that it'll change your life because it changed mine. It absolutely changed mine. It's critical. I believe that your life will collapse around you without meaningful relationships. Now, the reason I'm talking about this is because I, I'm open to, to, to counseling. We have a great team here through our community support team. At, that We have uh, uh, social workers. We have coaches. We have counselors. We have people that are willing to talk to you on a number of issues in your life. And early on, I was the only one that could do that, right? And so I took a lot of appointments with people. And a, and a lot of the appointments, well, not a lot, but, but a, a good handful of the appointments of people were people that didn't even go to our church, people that were struggling with something, and, and, and they heard that I was willing to talk to them about whatever the issue is, and so they'd send them to me. And then they'd share their issue, and I'm like, so you, you go to another church, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But did, did, does anybody at your church know? Oh, gosh, no. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. No. Because if they knew, they would lose, insert the blank. If they knew that I was struggling, if they knew that I had messed up, if they knew what I was going through, if they knew what had happened to me, I would lose relationship, I would lose position, I would lose favor, opportunity, not here. But but we're scared to step into those spaces and be vulnerable and be open because of those reasons. And people, people are like, I can't let them know what's going on. And the first thing I want to counsel them is, that's your problem. You don't have anybody at your church you can talk to. Somebody that where it is a safe place for you to open up your heart and say, this is what I'm going through. And for them to pray for you and, and have you healed. We'll get to that in a moment. But God's people have learned from culture today. And we, we wear masks and we walk around pretending like everything's okay. We show up on Sunday morning after we... After we fought all the way to church, you know, mom and dad swinging arms to the kids in the back. You better shut you. Don't you. Stop. Stop hitting your sisters. Stop it. Stop rolling down the window. Stop it. Mom and dad are fighting. The kids in the back are like, uh-oh. 
And then you all get here, and you get out of your cars, big smile on your face. How you doing? Fine. How you doing? I'm fine. Thank you. Good. Blessed and highly favored. Everything's good. Come on. You all know what I'm talking about, right? Listen, one time my wife and I got into such a heated conversation on the way to church. I pulled the van over, jumped out, and walked home. She went on to church. That's a true story. That's real. Not, not, not when I was attending here, by the way. I feel like that would be weird for everybody. Where's Pastor Aaron? Eh, he got mad and walked home. <laughs> what a story to tell, right? He just decided to be real today. Woke up and chose violence. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man, we act like everything's all good when everything's going to hell in a handbasket in our lives, right? We're good pretenders. We're very good at pretending, and we've learned to put on this mask, and I want to I challenge that today. I want to challenge that. Because the Bible calls that kind of behavior hypocrisy. It's named that way because there was, there was these actors of the day, and they would wear these huge masks in these huge arenas because people couldn't see their facial expressions. So they'd wear these huge masks to show their expression during that scene in the, in the play. And Jesus is saying, hey, or the Bible talks about these masks, calls us hypocrites because we're wearing a huge mask, putting on a front, that everything's okay when everything's not. So we need to relentlessly pursue authentic, honest, life-changing relationships. We need to pursue what is real. You say, why? Well, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon wrote this, the wisest man ever. He said, there was a man all alone. So he's identifying, uh, identifying points in our lives. And he says, he had neither son nor brother, and there was no end to his toil. There, there was no end to his toil because he was alone. And what he was trying to do is fill that void with, with everything and anything and everything except what he needed most, which is relationships. He tried to fill it with career, tried to fill it with finances, tried to fill it with, with fame, tried to fill it with, with uh, uh, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, uh, education, tried to fill it with all these things, which, by the way, I'm reading Matthew Perry's new, new book that he put out, the guy who played Chandler in the TV show Friends, and, and he talks about obtaining all these things, and he says, and it's only until you get all these things that you find out that they're not the things you need at all. And this man is pursuing these things. He's alone. He's soul sick. And it says, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For, who am I, for whom am I toiling, he asked. Why am I depriving, or depriving myself of employment? And he answers, he's even two are better than one. You need meaningful relationships in your life, even if it's just one. You need somebody to come alongside of you that knows what's going on in your life, that knows the real you. He says, two are better than one because they've got a good return on their labor. If either of them falls down, which, by the way, you will, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a if, it's, it's when. When you fall down, you've got somebody in your, in your, that you're linked with, somebody that you're walking with. It says, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. That's why you need that little life rescue button, you know what I mean? I'm falling and I can't get up. I don't know, that just popped in my head. It's not in my notes. It's free. Here we go. That laugh was free. But if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. You ever watch the Discovery Channel? Do you know what, what lions do when they're hunting? They, they try to find somebody or one of, the, one of the animals that they're hunting and get them isolated from the herd. When they're in the herd, it's dangerous for them to get in there because they could get trampled and beaten up. It's many against, you know, just, just uh, one or two lions. But if they can get you isolated, that lion, you're lion lunch. And, and that's the whole thing. They will work to get you isolated. That's what the enemy wants to do so it can pick you off. But two can defend themselves in a court of three. 
stand, or strands is not quickly broken. We need to be a church of groups. That as our church continues to grow in numbers, we need to grow smaller by making sure that we are seen and known. By being in some groups. We cannot stand on our own and Sundays are not enough. My preaching is not enough. We need one another. Someone needs to know what's going on in your life so that they can have your back. You know, it's, it's interesting how, how if you look into the world that truth is truth no matter what and how truth can emerge from culture, especially TV shows. Uh, there was a TV show years ago uh, that my parents watched and it's still being aired today um, because it has rewatchability to it. In other words, there's something about the show that just resonated with everybody. And, uh, and if you know it, I think we've got the lyrics. We'll put it up on the, on the screen. But making your way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Come on, everybody now. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Boom, 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 boom. And they're always glad you came. Right? You want to be where you can see. Our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everyone knows your name. This is a bar, but it should be the church. Right? Should be the church. Another TV show that came out, and I won't do the whole thing, but see if you know, see if you know which TV show it was. It's no one told you life was going to be this way. Yeah, there you are. That's what I hoped for. Gosh, when I was writing this, I was like, somebody's going to clap. And you did. <laughs> I heart all of you. <laughs> wow. What, what show? Friends. Yeah, it's Friends. And, and, and what? <laughs> boo. I heard a boo. That's fine. I don't care. It's still being aired. Why? Because it resonates with people. We, we long for that kind of community. The community of the bar, the community, the relationships that they experienced on Friends, they weren't perfect, but they were honest and real. They made mistakes. They had to forgive each other. They had to walk through difficult things. And, uh, and, and it resonates with people because it felt like these were authentic, honest, life-changing relationships. Again, not perfect, not pretty, but real and raw. All of life with its ups and downs. And I understand we're watching the lives of non-believers, but I really think it's what the church should look like today. I really do. And this needs to be us. That's why groups are for you. If you doubt me, just test me. Get into a group. You need to be in a group. You don't have to attend this church to join a group. In fact, we, we believe you can belong before you believe. Even if you're not a believer, you can join a group. You can be in one. We want you to be there. We have different kinds of groups, and I want you to stop by today out there in the lobby and find out what we've got talk to the leaders out there. We've got men's groups, women's groups. We've got marriage groups, parenting groups, activity groups. There's group groups. Like, they just like to gather around. That's it. They just want to form a circle. That's what they like to do. I'm just kidding. That doesn't happen. That's just funny. In my head, it was funny. <laughs> but get into a group. And we not only need people to get into groups, we need more leaders of groups. You say, Aaron, it starts next weekend. Yeah, think about it. Just jump in. If the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart, you've attended a group, we invite you to explore leading a group with us because that'll be an awesome opportunity for you to, to grow as you lead the group. You say, I don't know about leading one. We'll help you do it. You're not going to be alone. Anybody ever led a group? Have we left you alone? No, no. So get in a group, lead a group. Next Sunday, you can sign up. Why? Because real life change happens in the context of relationships. 
That's where it happens. Sundays are good. My preaching can stir you to action, but it cannot transform you. Relationships can. Let me prove that to you. Name the five sermons that shaped your life. You can't. You probably can't even name the last five sermons that I preached. Right? It's because they're not that impactful. Now, name five people that have impacted your life and helped you transform. Oh, that's easy. Right? That's the proof in the pudding right there. Relationships are important. Paul said this in Romans 12. Since we're all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, you need me. Now turn to your second choice and tell them, I need you. (laughs) We need each other, right? But we got to stop making our Christian walk about us. Stop making life about me and make it about a we or an us. We belong to each other and we need each other. So let me further show you why we need each other. I'm going to use a, 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 a framework um, that uh, some psychologists uh, created. It's called the Johari Window, and it's really just looking at group dynamics and how groups interact with each other. Uh, it's an important thing. Uh, it shows us the, the, the different uh, areas of our lives as we interact with each other. So the first area or the first uh, uh, quadrant, because there's, there's four quadrants in this window, is the arena. And, and as we interact with each other, this, this is called the arena, and it's I know and you know. In other words, this is the surface level stuff, that we could spend time talking to each other for a few minutes, and you can understand Aaron's six foot one, uh, he clearly loves Chipotle and his wife, and like these are just things you can pick up on really easy, right, when you talk to me. Uh, and, and so these are things I know and you know, okay? Uh, I would call these things casual information about people. It's surface level stuff. And I would say this is most people's Christian experience right here. We show up on Sunday mornings, hey, good to see you, good to see you. Oh, hey, you. You know you, because you can't remember their name. You. How are you? But because of our Christian experience is so surface level, this is the reason why we never grow. We put on this mask that everyone sees, and Jesus confronted this in Matthew 23. He's talking about the religious people of the day. He said, everything they do is done for people to see. It's outward. He said, they make their phylacteries wide, big word, I'll explain it, and the tassels on their garments long. So the religious leaders of the day, in order to look more pious, look more holy, they had these little leather boxes that they would carry around. And they would have them strapped to their wrists or strapped to their foreheads, which was odd, if you ask me. But visually, you would instantly know, oh, man, that guy's religious. And so they, they build boxes that got bigger and bigger, and everybody just kept one-upping each other, right? These, then they got these big boxes on their head, you know, and it's just, they look ridiculous. And inside those boxes were, were scrolls that carried some of the law. They, they carried everything outside for people to see. But nobody knew anything about them inwardly. And so Jesus says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. Anybody ever been to a graveyard and seen one of these big, beautiful buildings? They're called like a mausoleum, right? And they're usually made out of marble. They're very ornate. They are gorgeous buildings. I've had to do quite a bit of funerals inside of these things where they, usually it's, it's families that are interred there. And, and, and it's beautiful outside, but the second you step through the doorways, it is harrowing in there because there's nothing but death and emptiness inside. And Jesus is saying, you're like whitewashed tombs. Y'all are like a mausoleum in a graveyard. Look beautiful outside, but there's nothing but death and uncleanness on the inside. And this right here, 
This is why we as a church have a responsibility to continue to reach people that are far from God. Because they look great on the outside. They may have everything that you've ever wanted. They may drive the car that you want, have the house that you want, have the career that you want. But I promise you that if they are not walking with Jesus, that they are whitewashed tombs. Look beautiful on the outside, but they're dead and dying on the inside. We need to continue to reach people today. And grow groups, grow groups help us create an environment where we can go deeper with one another, where we can grow together and get to know people beyond the surface. So get in a group. The second area on that pain is the mask, and we see how, how we interact now. It's that, that uh, I know, but you don't know. So before it was I know and you know, and now it's I know, but you don't know. What are we talking about? We're talking about your secrets, okay? We're talking about the stuff that, that goes on in your life that you don't want anybody to know. It, it, it's, it's, it's the stuff that is hidden, and every single one of you have secrets, and I have secrets too, and I'm not telling you mine. I know. I'm not going to tell you my secrets, but I'm going to tell you this. You can have your secrets, but if you're not telling someone, you're in trouble. You're, you're absolutely in trouble. You need to have somebody in your life know what it is you are going through. The Bible takes issue with us being the only one who knows our secrets because you're never going to get past that issue going alone. You know, I have to live this out. You all know I have an addiction background, and I have to protect myself. I had to have an embarrassing conversation this week because there's a device in my house that is unlocked. And, and I've, I've known about it for a few days in my brain. All it thinks about is, you know, you could go and you could open that lock and you could look at anything you wanted to. You'd just be a few clicks away and nobody would ever know. You can go. It's right there. Go look at it. Go, go get it. Go, go. I'm like, oh, my gosh, my addict brain will not stop. And I had to go to my mom. I said, Mom, you got this new device in the house. I need you to lock it down. I need, I need help here. And I had to confess what was secretly going on in my head and in my heart. Because you know what? I'm two seconds away from stupid. You all are. Don't judge me. You're like, yeah, but you're a pastor. You're supposed to have it all together. Nope, just a guy. Just a guy that God called to do this, right? And I struggle. But I had to be honest and open about it. Here's why. You're only going to be as sick as your secrets. That's the truth. You'll only be as sick as your secrets. You want to defeat depression? You need to talk about it with somebody. You want to quit clicking on that thing? You need to talk to somebody. You want to stop that behavior? Talk to somebody. You want to correct that attitude? You need to bring it up. Talk to somebody about it. Stop trying to go it alone. We need to let someone other than God know what's going on. Because some of you are like, man, I've been praying and praying about this, but nothing's changing. And God's like, yeah, that's because i got a plan. And it involves you talking to somebody else. 2 Corinthians 4, 2, Paul says, we refuse to wear masks and play games. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. Why? Because honesty is the first step to freedom. Honesty is the first step to freedom. Taking off the mask is so freeing. And I'm going to tell you, when I had that conversation with my mom and I, and I helped her set up the passcode because she couldn't do that on her own. Love you, Mom. Um, my heart was free. I felt free. And that's what you'll experience, too, when you tell someone what you're going through. But why don't we do it, though? Well, there's good reasons for it. Some of you, the reason you don't open up to somebody is because you opened up to the wrong person in the past. And because you did and that person betrayed you, maybe betrayed that relationship or that, used that information against you, and as a result, you don't want to step into it today, and you're being robbed of what you need the most today because of what happened back then. Can't let the pain of the past keep us from what we need now. 
It's like refusing to use an oven because it burned us one time. You know what I'm saying? Let's just learn how not to get burnt. Let's create a barrier or a boundary called an oven mitt. <laughs> Who's out there taking hot pumpkin pies out of, the, out of the oven, you know, with their bare hands? Like, no, don't do that. <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't want to be insensitive. I get it hurt, and I understand that it created a scar. But I'm, but I'm trying to encourage you to walk the, walk the path of forgiveness and give it another shot because you need relationships. The journey can be scary, and joining a group can be scary. You got fears of being judged, fears of being misunderstood, fears of being pointed out or rejected. I get all those, absolutely. I felt all those too. I worried that my quirkiness and my interests wouldn't resonate with others when I first joined a small group. I, I was afraid of all of that. I was afraid they would reject me, leave me, make fun of me, any of the things above. All the things you're afraid of, I was afraid of too. But I stepped in. I stepped in, knowing that nothing about how I felt about that group felt good. Like, oh, my gosh, but I'm going to tell you this. The risk was worth the reward. It was worth it every time. C.S. Lewis said this, friendship is born at the moment when one person says to another, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. What's going to happen is when you confess the areas that you're waffling in and the areas that you got issues, somebody's going to go, yeah, me too, right now, bro. Almost every single time I open my heart, they're like, yeah, me too. Me too. I love that. Love that. So this is what you'll find if you'll join a group. We've all got issues, and that's why we all need each other. Check out this verse. This is a famous one, John 3, 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So he's talking about heaven in this situation, right? Believe in Jesus, you get heaven. But we don't want to stop there, but a lot of people do. The verse continues. still talking. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God knew you were going to have issues. And he's not up there in heaven wagging his finger at you going, how dare you? I cannot believe you're thinking that way. I can't believe that you did that. He, he's not up there doing that. He's not up there shaming you, disqualifying you. No, he came to help. I love this phrase. Jesus did not come to make us sorry. He came to help us by setting us free. That's what it's all about. Verse continues, whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. In other words, you're going to stay the same because you're not taking any steps. He said, because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. So he's telling us this is what you should do. He said, light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light. In other words, they love their secrets more than they love the freedom God offers. Because their deeds were evil, they kept their secrets to themselves. And everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. And look. That's, that's not what God has for you, that you just sit with your darkness, that you just sit with your secrets. It's not what he has for you. Here's what he offers instead. He says, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Look, you want to experience freedom, you got to bring that thing into the light. God already knows about it, but that's not what God's asking us to do. He's asking us to speak to one another about it. Don't believe me? James 5, 16, throw it up there. Confess your sins to each other. Notice he didn't say God. Now, there is a relationship with God. You do need to confess your sins to God, and he'll forgive you through the finished work of Jesus, right? But he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Whew. That's God's plan for you. That's his plan for you, and, that, and I'm thankful for that. He wants us to confess to each other. God 
offers us forgiveness, but healing comes through relationship. Because the truth is, we are wounded in relationship, we are healed in relationship. You don't have to tell everyone what's going on, but you need to tell someone. And don't just confess to them. If, you, if you're sharing what's going on, and you're sharing an area of weakness, and they don't offer you to offer to pray for you, they're like, my thoughts and prayers are with you. No, homie, now. You pray now. Let's go now. My Bible says healing's on the other side of this process. Let's go now. I'm ready for healing. Come on, somebody. Get it. I'm going to pray now. Get into a group. You change numbers with somebody. You have some accountability with somebody. Check in with them during the week. Follow up with them, their life and their secrets and watch out for one another. Paul bragged on one of his group members. His name was Epaphras. He said, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ, Jesus sends his greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. You know, we all need an Epaphras in our lives. We need somebody that is wrestling in prayer, somebody that, man, you can call them and say, this is what's going on. And the first response is not for them to tell you what to do. It's, let's go to God in prayer. First response, we pray first around here. And groups are a great place to find an Epaphras in your life. Now, back to the Jahari window. So we've got the arena, so the, the areas where our lives cross over. You know and I know. We've got the mask where I know, but you don't know. The third pain is uh, blind spots. And this is I don't know, but you know. Uh, I did something earlier last year called a 360-degree evaluation. Um, and, uh, and what that is essentially is you give a survey to uh, your team members, those, those that directly report to you, and I basically asked them, how am I doing? And, uh, and that was a scary thing to do because I know I've got blind spots. And when I got the report back and read some of the things that they said, I know they love me and they know I love them, but they also know that I'm human. And I got the report back and I remember just, I cried for days. I cried for days and prayed because of the way that my leadership or the way that I was leading was harming and that, that all came in the feedback. But I never would have known that had I not opened myself up to that in relationship with those people. We all have blind spots. And it's obvious to everybody else what's going on, and we just don't see it. And we need people to come alongside of us and, and have that, hey, your fly's down moment. You know what I mean? It takes a good friend to say that, right? You ever see anybody with their fly down, and you're just sitting there? You don't talk to them. You elbow the person next to you. Hey, check it out. Their fly's down. <laughs> Y'all know you do it. For me, I'm going to make a mad dash towards somebody. I don't care if they're on stage. I'm going to run up. Uh, hey, your, uh, your fly is down. And I'm going to stand there and guard them so they can get it up, right? Get their fly up. Yeah, thanks. But we all need somebody that's willing to uh, in, in, and has that kind of relationship that will come to us and say, your fly is down. And the closer you are to that person, the less awkward it is, I believe, right? All of us, we all need your fly down people. Because there are issues we don't see. Yeah, I probably do. We all need people that are willing to tell us your fly is down. There you go. Tell you the things that you're not aware of. There you go. Sorry. Whew. We'll edit that out of the podcast, Trev. It'll be all right. Yeah, thanks. 
I would have told you right in front of everybody. Uh, I don't even know. Oh, we need fly down people. Yeah, that's it. Um, and, uh, but I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm not, I'm not really open to what a stranger thinks about me. I'm not really open to the, the feedback that a stranger gives me. But somebody that's close, man, I want that feedback. I, I want to know what they think. And uh, there's somebody that I'll listen to. And, and somebody that will tell you, like, hey, you know what you, did, what you, what you said was harsh. Or, or the way you're talking to your kids is not cool. And that, that's doing, doing damage I don't think you realize you're doing. You know, we need, to be, we need people to speak into our lives that we trust who can see what we can't see. Your life will be better if you have that friend. Proverbs 27 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Isn't that the truth? I'd rather have the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy because an enemy is only going to tell you all the good things about you. Right? But a friend, a friend will tell you some, something. You need someone to have your back. Hebrews said it this way. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. What he's saying is like, if you see somebody that's erring in their way, if you see somebody that is walking in sin, they may not be aware of it. They may not be aware of the danger that they're in. And they need you to come along today when you see it. Maybe not, you don't, that doesn't mean you correct them in front of anybody. Please don't ever do that to anybody. Pull them aside and have a respectful private conversation. In Jesus' name, please do that. <coughs> but do it today. Don't wait because you don't know the kind of damage that they're causing in their lives. So have the conversation. Step into those kinds of relationships. And by the way, if somebody steps into that conversation and has a hard conversation with you, make sure you say two words. Thank you. Because what's celebrated will be repeated. You want that in your life, I promise you. Now back to the window. We've got the arena. We've got the mask. We've got the blind spots. And finally, we have this fourth area where we all intersect. And it's, and it's about our lives. It's the things that, that is called the potential. It's the I don't know and you don't know. Neither of us really know. But this is the part that God knows. And this is the part of your life that you haven't realized yet. It's, it's the version of you that you're yet to become. And you never really get to know that. And who you'll become and what your potential is on your own. There is a best version of you that is yet to come. And I can't tell you what that is. And you don't know either. And the people around you don't know it. So how do you find it? Well, you find it in relationships. See, God's called us all to be in one body. It's important. But what, what part we play isn't near as important as, our, the, as who we are being connected to the body. Let, let me demonstrate this. If, I, if you are, let's say you're the hand, okay, of the body, and we were to cut off the hand, do you know what's going to happen to the rest of the body? The rest of the body is going to continue to grow and flourish. It's going to be fine. But you know what will happen to the hand? It'll wither. It'll die. It'll decay. What the hand has to do is not near as important as the hand being connected to the body. Otherwise, it has no life at all. Its potential is squashed and diminished. We must be connected to one another to discover what is that potential? What is the potential impact we have? What is the potential? Who is it I could become? And you only find that by being in relationship with other people. The Bible talks about it this way and says that, that uh, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. It's powerful. You know, I have three kids, and I, and I want to say this very clearly. I'm proud of all of my kids. But this week, I'm proud of, of my son, Trent. 
he had an opportunity. He's sitting over there. I'm not going to look at him while I say this. But he was, he was in relationship with somebody that he was, he was getting ready to walk away from it. My counsel was to him, like, listen, if, if God's not telling you to do that, you don't do that. And he says, okay, so how do I stay in it then? Ah, uh, that's the question. How do you stay in it? Well, what do, you, what do you want the outcomes of the conversation to be? Because there's a lot of emotion in it, right? When somebody's wounded you or hurt you, it's easy to just walk away. That's the easy thing to do. And I told him that. I said, that's the easy thing to do. But if you want to have your character developed and you want to make an impact in their lives and show them that you are here for the long haul and deepen that relationship, what you'll do is you'll do the hard work of having the tough conversation. And he did. And he came home and was glowing. He was so thankful that he did that. And I know that it's developing him as a man. It's developing him as a leader and as a friend. And I know that every time we stay in the tough situations and the relationships, they shape us. They form us. It's important. We need each other like iron sharpens iron, clanging against each other. There's going to be some clanging. There's going to be some sparks flying from time to time. But you're going to get sharper as a result. Colossians 2.19 says, The whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. But you don't find growth. You don't get to your potential unless you remain connected to the body. And Sunday mornings are great. But that's not the kind of connection we're talking about. We're talking about connections and relationships where you are seen and known. So how do we grow? What do we do? There's two things. This is very deep theology, and I probably should have had some more time for it. Here you are. Get in a group. It's simple. Second thing you can do, get on a team. See, I think people, we, what, what we need most we need to be known. That's why you need to be in a group. But each of us has a need to be needed, which is why you need to be on a team, which is why you need to be part of what we're doing here as we serve one another. Listen, you say, Aaron, that, that's a hard pitch for you to just get me to sign up to volunteer and do volunteer work. No. Listen, yeah, there's, we'll put you to work. We've got plenty of things for you to do. But this is more about what you need. You need to be known and needed. Get in a group, get on a team, and you'll experience that in beautiful ways. So here I'm asking you, simple church, here's God's plan for a church that hell will not prevail against it. Help me build this church. Be passionate for God. Pursue all he has for you. Make sure you approach him out of a life-giving, real relationship with him. And make sure you get into authentic, honest, life-changing relationships. Get in a group. Get on a team. Amen, everyone? Let's pray. Father, today I know that uh, this is a scary subject. There's, there's a whole lot of baggage and a whole lot of trauma that comes with relationships. And stepping into new ones is daunting. It can be, it can be scary. But, Lord, your word says that you have given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. That these things that are troubling us... Lord, we can trust you with them, and we can step into all you have for us because you're good, because you're faithful. And if you got it for us, we want it. It might be scary, 
And we might have baggage. Help us to deal with that. Help us to forgive. Forgiving doesn't mean that what they did was okay. Forgiving doesn't mean that we've forgotten. It just means that we're going to trust that the vengeance is God's, that he is just. So, Lord, help us to be those people today, that we surrender all of our fears and all of our concerns to you so that we can step into authentic, real, life-giving relationships. For others of you today, the, the real need first is a relationship with God. And so while I continue to pray, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment. And if you're ready to enter your spiritual journey and enter into a relationship with Jesus, that's the primary one. If you're ready to do that, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'd love to include you in on that. But I'm, I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come to the front or go to a side room or anything and have a conversation with him. But I do, I do think there is an action that you need to take, and it's just to slip up your hand. So if you're here today, would you just slip up your hand and say, Aaron, I'm ready. I'm ready. Today's my day. Yeah, thanks. See you. I see you. Thanks. Thanks. I see you. That's awesome. You can put your hands down now. Thank you so much. Church, let's everybody pray together. There's no need for anybody to pray alone. And I just need you to know if you're praying this prayer today, you're stepping into a new spiritual family. And welcome to Simple Church. I'm your pastor. I'm going to be on a journey for 60 days, but I'll be back. And I can't wait to hug your neck. Well, let me pray for you now. Everybody pray out loud. Say these words with me. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, and the Bible says if you meant it from your heart, that all of heaven is having a party and is celebrating with you. Come on, Simple Church, celebrate with everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. Hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.